darkness and light, streaming. The end of our life beginning. No longer alone, my will become gone. Who was I before? I don't know. And who am I now? Your body shows how, the past just has no meaning. Don't stop, I need it. Release me, it's too hard for me to hold, my heart bleeding. It thrills me to the bone. Oh Lord, forgive us. Alas, we've lost control baby. Nothing can stop it, oh. Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition podcast where we're going through every single episode of Deep Space Nine. Uh, <laughs> the greatest TV show to give Brian Fuller his start, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yep. Is the first yep. Oh, no, I, yeah, no, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. And, oh, yes, my name is uh, Wade Bowen. And, yep, we're talking about an episode here called The Darkness and the Light. Yeah, this episode uh, is episode 11 of season 5. It originally aired on January 6th, 1997. And here is the IMDb description. A mysterious assassin begins wiping out all the members of Kira's old resistance cell. That's it. That's all uh-huh. I have to say about I it. I guess that's that makes sense. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, third acts are hard, guys. <laughs> you know. I, yeah, yeah, I, I totally know. I, I totally know where you're going there, and I totally agree with you. But there's a little bit of a like, I don't know. Like, I think that they're playing with things in the third act that I liked. I don't think it nailed, but I, I, I don't either. I read some of the memory alpha thing on this one. I know that's your job, James. Yeah, Sorry. no, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Ronald D. Moore is very happy with how the third act turned out. Yeah, really? I yeah. like, so, I, I like a lot the, of. I like some of it. Is this a good episode? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'll go with that. I, I think it's a. I think it's a fine episode. I think it. Was, yeah, I, I think it was trying to do things. Uh, it's not the best more than episode. It was, yeah, more than it. Yeah. succeeded. I think it's a squandered. I think it's a squandered premise. Uh, probably because yeah. it's brilliant to have. Uh, you've got Major Kira, who's been a badass all of her life, and all of a sudden she's pregnant so she's sort of like held back a little bit but at the same time she's done a lot of she's done a lot of dark shit so you know you can't spend a lifetime of doing dark shit without the chickens coming home to roost at some point so the fact that the chickens come home to roost at the exact moment that she's her at her most vulnerable is an interesting right premise Mm -hmm. and i liked in the third act that that feeds into the solution I won't get into Deathly Hell just yet, but I did like that aspect of the third act. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I distinctly like her in the third act. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasn't the problem. I think that that's, that's the thing that worked. And I don't mean just her performance, but like like the way Kira, Kira's response to all of that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought I thought was... Cause I, you know, cause I, I don't, I don't know. Like I felt like the show maybe was trying to force some sort of like sen- not sentimentality, but like some sentiment onto me that I wasn't buying, and Kira wasn't buying it either, and yeah, I liked yeah. that. And so I, I felt at home with that. 
Right. So. And Ronald D. Moore felt the same way, I guess. I, I read that. Yeah, I didn't realize that until I, I didn't realize that until he, he came back. And but he was like, it's a both sides issue. And I was like, I, I'm with her. I don't think it's a both sides issue. And, you know, like, I thought about it and I knew exactly where you would fall on that issue, James. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, she's like, he's she's like, this shit's collateral damage. And like, I'm fucking sorry. But, you know. <laughs> You had, but I'm not sorry. Not sorry. Yeah, you use guys guts to go, and I didn't fucking care what happened to you. And I'm right. like, yeah, that's that's that was that had to work, you know? Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this this whole show is kind of a who done it, uh, except who done it. We never, well, it's it's all true to the source material it's based on, I guess, huh? Well, yeah, the, here's the whole problem. And they try to fix it in that scene with the two people we've met before. Uh-huh. But this is largely about shit we didn't know about. Yeah. Yes. And people we don't know about. And I actually think that that scene with the two people we've met before really helps. Yes, oh, yeah. it does. I actually think that, that cures it. We were on shaky ground before those two showed up. <laughs> yes. And it, I was like, this is the worst. No, and seriously, yeah. okay, well, let's... Let's go through it real quick. Yeah. So basically, two two people that were in her old resistance cell get popped off in the th- in the first act. Right. And everybody on the station is doing their best to be understanding. Well, and to like help solve the mystery. Right. Latha Mabram is at the Kalash retreat because he's he's gone. Is that the place that Cisco discovered? Discovered? Yeah, Cisco mm-hmm. discovered. The hidden city in the cavern? No, no, no. no that no. was Bala or Baller or oh, okay. Bahala. Well, that looks <laughs> just like or it. Sh- Shangri-La or Valhalla. <laughs> it was it was not Valhalla. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. It was the Kalash Kal- Kalash retreat because he's lived this like life of killing people and being a bad motherfucker. And he's like, I'm gonna go to a monastery now. And then and then he's like, check out this awesome hookah guys, and he lights it, and then a laser shoots out and kills him because there's a Hunter killer droid after no, I mean or a hunter mm-hmm. hunter probe, not a hunter killer. That's from Dune. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. But hunter killer you know, <laughs> those that, okay. that's the modus operandi of the killer. You really gotta start with a trigger warning. Yeah, I'm tr- trigger, I'm tr- trigger warning. I'm tr- <laughs> trigger warning. I'm triggered now. <laughs> so um That's one. <laughs> Real quick, there's a lot of talk about the prophets in this one too. There's a lot because mainly because the first guy that got smoked was a turned to be a religious guy. Yeah. Every time they talk about the will of the prophets, maybe may you walk with the prophets. It really right. Oh, he died serving the prophets. They'll take care of him. Like, will they? Right. (laughs) Will they? That's the whole thing. Is we've met as an audience, we've met the prophets. They don't give a fuck about Mm. anybody on Bajor. Well, they they didn't in the beginning. They've the show has started to kind of bend towards they do start to give a bit of a fuck like when we got Kyle Paca come back. Yeah, but we've, we've episode, been in the wormhole. None of these fuckers are walking well, with them. Well, you they, know, it's like. But then, then we got the you are of Bajor, we are of Bajor. Yeah, you we picked <laughs> Benjamin Sis. The, 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 you know, they did say that we picked the Cisco. Right. And I guess it's still thin soup as far as it is thin soup at this point. I guess it's building to be let thicker soup at this point. But, but. here, no, no, here's my point is that at no point do we feel like all of these people who are so religious on Bajor act as if evangelicals do, where they have a pers- close personal relationship with their god or their wormhole aliens. But every time we see the wormhole aliens, 
they do not they don't seem particularly close with individual Bajorans who have been faithful to them. No, I guess that's yeah. my Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true, yeah. I well, but then I mean to get to get real for a minute, how real close has uh God actually gotten to these evangelicals that pray to him all the time? Well, that that is uh, a sep- that's another issue yeah, of mine that's not yes. I mean, as a person that was brought up in that kind of Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. I but um okay, but that's kind of a digression that we yeah, only because yeah. it's not really a religious episode. It just no no, uh yeah yeah. So then the second person is uh a person who who was actually a cleaning lady, right? Right. She wasn't part of the shikar the shikar resistance, which I'm gonna make a point of later. But yeah, she was she wasn't because they get the message come in that that's that that's one little indian two little indian or two three little uh less safe word that was well i read the memory alpha <laughs> um, what, what now this whole story is based on an agatha christie novel yes yes that's where fuller got it yeah yes called one little indian about the song except the original title of that novel and even the song was not indian it was a racial slur mm-hmm. but it was a bit it's her most famous book Yes. But, yeah. Yes. But anyways. Well, it's ten little, ten little Indians, and then he goes for some reason. It's called. And yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And the original sto- song is ten little engine. No, it's no. It's oh, it's, it's the, the, the 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 racial uh, slur. The, the <laughs> racial slur. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one. I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. shit. Yeah. That's the original. That was because Agatha Christie's forever old, you know, and so yeah. in the forties or. 30s when it came out it's like yeah we say the n-word all the time nobody cares and wait are you saying that she released it under that title or just the song that it's referencing was originally i think maybe it was oh, and then yeah shit. okay yeah so yeah and it is you're right i mean we've all had to sit through some version of this at some point probably right yeah and like the source material she had the idea she had the better idea of putting it on a train and it became the same story on a train it became a more popular book right and the, and as a who done it you could figure out who done it yeah but even the three little indians or 10 little that book who done it is not anybody you can figure out much like this episode yeah right, right. and then the second woman was just a cleaning lady and because she calls in and akira's like Oh, who's who dis and then oh, like a like a CSI episode, Benjamin Cisco is like, We can't trace the call. Keep her on the line. We're gonna try and get it. <laughs> they did, said that exactly. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, Oh, it's the cleaning lady, don't worry about it. I got this. And this lady's just terrified of being it's setting up what we got last episode that everybody that was on Bajor and the occupation has like some shit behind them, yep. you know? Like Yeah, I was in shit. Well, that's what I liked about that particular I mean, it, but up until then you know, the first guy meant nothing to us, really. Yeah. Other than he was somebody mm-hmm. who was he was in the shit with Kira, and, and yeah. it bums her out. Yeah, so yeah. The second person for her to have that sort of backstory, where she was Fala, Fala, sorry, where she was handing information and she was scared the whole time, and Kira delivers a speech about bravery. Yeah, yeah. And that gave us some real weight to it but like you you burnt that one up you know you can't yeah. do that one again for the third one <laughs> right so you definitely have to have the old people that we recommend yeah, show yeah. up in the second and act speaking of burning people up <laughs> Worf and Jadzia are going to pick her up because she's scared shitless on Bajor mm. they're going to pull around from Starbase 63 and transport her on 
And then they have a quick little scene where he he delivers a rule of acquisition that we've heard before. Oh yeah. yeah, because she she was like, "Don't smirk." Like, well, I I do not smirk, but if I did, that is quality business. By the way, they were giving him a little is, bit yeah. of business, and that was quality business. I liked a yeah. uh, little little bit of flirting, not too much, didn't go right? overboard. Yeah, like oh, if you'd realize that Ramirez was a three time Tongo champion, you wouldn't have maybe lost two bars of latinum to him. It's like. Oh yeah, no, I got. I'm good for it. But by the way, it's like, no, you can't borrow it from me. Fuck you. It's like, oh, sorry. Like, mm. no. Remember rule 111 of the rules of acquisitions: like, treat people in your debt like family, exploit them. And she's, she's like, I didn't think you knew the rules of acquisition. And his response: Yeah, it's great business. He's like, I'm a graduate of Starfleet Academy. I know many things. <laughs> it's because there are a they're a bit of a like a, I guess a stereotypical gender swap where she's the more gregarious and blowhardy and high risk taking one and he's like the yeah. this yeah. very conservative and like very security minded not just not just ship security but you know like pers- like you know well, they sort of make him the nag yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he's exactly, the, he's yeah. the one that's like I do not think we can buy a PlayStation 4 this month. Like, he's that guy as opposed to, we'll make it work, you know? Like, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought we were saving up for next month. Like, you know, that he's that guy. He's that person in the relationship. Sure. And I like that. I, I enjoy upsetting gender norm, gender tropes. And so that's all fun, so... Sure, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a little bit of joy in this absolutely joyless episode. <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. Yeah. And then, because the, then they're going to, then they beam her up. Oh, yeah. This is why I would never want to take a transporter anywhere because, like, she's like, oh, shit, gross. They beam her up and she's just like baked, like a oh, yeah. baked potato with mm-hmm. a piece of foil in it. And <laughs> that's exactly how. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. It's gross. Like she's all crispy and like there's, you hear the sizzling and stuff. Yeah, I thought it was pretty, it was pretty graphic for, yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Bashir gets there and he's like, uh, uh, and she's like, is she dead? Like, and he's like, yeah, I'm sorry, Nurse. I'm a shitty doctor, but even a good doctor wasn't going to be able to cure this. <laughs> I mean, she's cooked. I mean, like, <laughs> right. I mean, look at her. She looks like <laughs> she's perfectly cooked. Like, we, we, like yeah. a little overcooked. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. got a remat detonator that was placed on her. Because it scrambles transporter buffer during rematerialization. It's a rematerialization detonator. And it's two cubic millimeters, and you can put it in the clothing. It was probably delivered by a hunter probe. Hunters, yes. Yeah. The Romulans use it, but you can get it on the black market. And normally they scan for remats when they're transporting. Like they scan for weapons, but this means that it was somebody with a sophisticated idea. Uh, yeah, okay. This is where that is laying the breadcrumbs towards my frustration of the third act. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see what. You, yeah, that makes sense. I think I know where it, that frustration might be. Yeah. And then she goes back, and then Quark accidentally activated a pad that came in as a shipment of Sahari and Brandy, and that's too accidentally, cause, but he's just a snippy did it. Mm-hmm. Then I thought the music was pretty well. The, like the score was like kind of atmospheric, and I like the score. Yeah, I don't. It was un, I guess it was unremarkable. I don't remember the score. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's it was just inducing the mood. It just felt like more atmospheric than you get in a TNG episode, maybe. Yeah, but maybe not. I haven't watched a lot of those in a while. 
yeah, it was okay. That was when I the, they were doing the Miles stuff, and part of that felt real. I guess what I wanted him to spend a little bit more time in it because that part felt real. Is that like he? Oh, he's coming to make sure she. Yeah, his concern for her and all of that stuff. I really, I really dug all that. Oh yeah. Oh, making sure she's taking the Makara herb that's in the cold open. Oh yeah. Too, oh yeah. That... Which is a very important point. Oh, we have a. Uh... Chekhov's Lakara Lakara herb, herb, but yeah, well, and mostly when the music is when she's sneaking into her apartment, she knows that somebody's there, yeah. and then it turns out to be Pharrell and Lupaza that we've met before. And thank and, God, because this was like, yeah. like I didn't give like this was like losing me like pretty quickly. Yeah, and so I was like, right. I, I don't, I don't, care. I, I, I get it, I, I don't care, and then like, I, because I, I don't know anybody. That it's just Kira talking about her old friends and how that you know it's like I don't know your old friends. Right. Then I was like, oh, I remember these two people. They were fun. Yeah. We talked about did she fuck Shakar? I remember having a whole conversation about fucking with about these characters. So yeah, I remember yeah. them. They're yeah. fucking now and yeah, they're smart enough. And then I got they're badasses. They're little badasses. <laughs> right. Right. And they want to. They want to be deployed like like her personal assassin squad, which is cool as fuck. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, who's this guy, Lieutenant Brillgard? And she's like, and she says, Kira actually has to tell them, I can't deploy you like my my personal assassin squad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Look, we gotta change her. Like, and the fact that they just like, she's like, how did you get on? We just updated the security system. Like, oh, we get past that. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of world building, like you can't just transport anywhere on the ship because they got transporter scramblers. Because of course they would. Yeah. Because anybody could just appear anywhere, but she they're enough of badasses where they're like, oh, Lupaza can get through any of that stuff. Yeah. We just came in on a Talavian freighter and just kind of transported right into your room. And we brought you more of these Makara herbs, and she's like, "Oh, great!" They also have that little that little fucker on the ground. That was fun, and uh, oh yeah, her, yeah. Little, her little guard. And I I noticed a sense of like the way he looked at those guys, and there is like a just playing off of like last week. I think it was last week where you get this growing sense that there is some irritation from normal Bajorans at these with oh, the resistance people, the resistance people. Like, I'm wondering if that was, like, an obnoxious club. Because that, I mean, everybody has a hierarchy. Right. And I'm sure that there's a hierarchy that reveres the resistance fighters more than not. And I I don't know. Like, that guy looks like a little, 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 he he seemed a little irritated at these assholes. Well, because they put him on the floor, like, 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 and they're like, who's this little little piece of shit? And it's like, that's Brilgar, man. Leave him alone. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, I, I, that was that was fine. There's little bits of color I was dying for in this episode. Yeah, yeah, was all in that scene. Yeah, and like he was saying, like they're like, "Oh, we're here. Just give us a name." And and she's like, "No, we can't do that anymore, man. We got to change our ways. It's not we're not in the occupation anymore." Mm-hmm. And and Pharrell's like, "Fuck that, man. <laughs> when you figure out who this is, you're gonna want to give us the name so we can go out and kill this motherfucker." <laughs> Well, and and turns out Pharrell is right, but because he gets got. <laughs> yeah, he does get, yeah, he, they they get got because they're gonna stay on the couch instead of getting their own quarters. And Molly and Keiko are off visiting an uncle or something because they were innocents, right? Right. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, Mabara got an explosive behind his right ear at university. Or whatever. Killer's making a point because he's not just in. You know, Oh, and Nog figures out, and it's kind of like there's this bit of business that doesn't really mean anything for the episode, except we got a scene with Nog in it. 
where he's got the lobes to hear that it's Kira's on them. Yeah, he was using his special thing. This is side of his special abilities column, which is super hearing. They they like to work that in. They've twice now they worked that in as a superpower. So recently, so yeah, I like that. That was fine. Yeah, right. And it's like, oh, it's not Cardassian. It's Bajoran, and oh, it's me. And then. Oh shit, there's been an explosion at location 5, sector 21 Alpha. Mm-hmm. And it's the O'Brien's quarters. And Lupaza and Pharrell have been vented into space. And Kira is like, whoa, no. And she runs and she kicks all his ass on the way back. Like everybody's like, no, they've been, if you'll, you'll vent the whole section or whatever. And she's throwing punches and putting people on their ass. And, but then she has pregnancy pass out. <laughs> Where she's overexerted and yeah. has a placental laceration and hemorrhage and passes out. And yeah. Then she has that great scene with in the infirmary where she's explaining about how she joined the resistance. I mean, maybe not great, but it's a nice little monologue of backstory, I thought. It was a little obtuse for what her sentiment was. Her sentiment was like, yeah, he, he was pissed off and he tried to like he tried to like take the moral high ground, but fuck him. Like that was basically her theme, right? For who? What are you talking about? Wait, for she, at the end. She oh was no, kind of like I was talking about when when she's like she's in the infirmary. <laughs> oh, you're getting ahead of yourself. Oh, oh, oh. What, <laughs> she's, what is she's explaining. Oh, oh where she talks about why she. Oh, yeah, yeah, why that was. A good, I'm sorry. Resistance. Yeah, no, that was a good. I was. I'm at totally at the end of this. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally right. forgot that that scene with with her talking about joining the resistance and how she she was 13. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, she was. She was Wallace from The Wire. Right. Or Jake from that episode where he's scared shitless. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Where she's like, oh, I was 13 and I just wanted to make sure everybody didn't think I was scared. So when they that transport or that skimmer landed. When that first Cardassian appeared, I just started firing. And I didn't stop till I discharged the entire power cell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was a good story. I like stories like that. Yeah, Uh-oh. and her earring that we've seen for since she's been on the show is Lupaza made that for her from a skimmer that they blew up. Yeah, and it was a hunter probe, another hunter probe on a Salavian freighter that attached to the window when it saw them and blew up. And then they were like, "Don't go," and she's like, "Sure, I won't go." Sure, and she like she she goes. <laughs> Like, and then right. she goes, and then immediately figures out. Like, right. but before I have a she, list of ten people. Well, okay, um, I guess I could save it for the end. But the thing that, on hindsight, that really drives me the most crazy. Oh, this guy's killing all of the Shakar resistance. Mm-hmm. What? What about Shakar? Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. <laughs> like he's the leader of the Shakar resistance. Well, it was it was only the people that that specific that specific thing that specific act. Oh yeah. Good point. Well, and Shakar probably has, he's probably like all ate up with security because he's true. George Washington of the planet. Yeah. Well, they managed to like kill someone in O'Brien's room. Right. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, I, I think the plot or the story. The guy is a little overpowered, but they did just forget. They didn't want to have to pay Shakar. Right. They didn't bring it up. And I guess. I guess he's like the arc of the season. They already had a plot point built out for him. So they just leave him out of this episode. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, she goes and tracks the guy down. <laughs> Sorry. The- she does. <laughs> yeah, really quickly. It's just like the next scene. I did like how she just kind of like does emergency protocol to beam into security and then beam immediately to... Uh, it shows that Kira's a badass. Mm-hmm. With a high with a high clearance level. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, that she knows how to do stuff, and and I did like again. It's a continuing thing. He's the only person that he loses his cool with. But Cisco just not being into Worf. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. being yeah. Worf. That was my favorite part of the episode too. <laughs> right. God damn it! I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know what it is, motherfucker. Like, just. Like, look, I want to track her ion trail. I was like, oh, uh, well, sir, it's going to be difficult because she masked her energy field with a polar ion emission. And it, like, I know it's difficult. Does the have to put up with you telling him shit he already knows all the time? Yeah, I don't care. Just get it done, motherfucker. I'm a goddamn captain. And you weren't already sleeping on the Defiant. <laughs> I'd have your ass out there. <laughs> Yeah, and so that was that. I do like that. There's his needling and prodding of of Worf is still my favorite thing in the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Yeah, and yeah. it came out of nowhere, and Worf just kind of like cowed at it, and like, <laughs> like oh shit, kind of just shrugged it off. I don't even think it registered with him. Well, well, it was, but it's one of those things that clearly you don't. He didn't jump at it the first time Worf has done that to him. Like it was. Right. This, this is constantly a thing with you. I know what the <laughs> fuck I'm telling you. To well, do. maybe. Maybe he knows how to handle Klingons. And That's true. That's just true. yell at him yeah, and like, "What do you? Do you think I'm a fucking dumbass? Do it, you motherfucker!" <laughs> That's how Klingons work, right? And I get it. It's uh, it's a clever turn on a plot, you know, because they do that so that we know, right, all of the complication of what they're doing. But so they still have him do it because it's still a need. But then, like, clearly this would piss everybody off, and so I, I like that a lot. I like that. Yeah, the, and it's yeah. Mm-hmm. It shows good. that Cisco is like he's a he's a good commander or captain now. He's not a commander mm-hmm. anymore. He's like, yeah, if Picard wouldn't stand for that shit. Just get it done. Just yes. Yeah, like, and then they skip to Kira's personal log, star date five zero one four one six point two. Yeah, eliminated three suspects out of twenty five, and the fourth one is Sillerin Prim, who is a guy. <laughs> On a planet near the DMZ, where I guess the Maquis are from. So here's the thing. Well, how did this, if this guy was so fucking slick, how did he end up, like, Odo would have caught him eventually. How did he end up? Well, that's my, that's my problem. Yeah, it's about that. <laughs> I feel like that. It a, turns out yeah. this guy is not just, he actually says that he's an innocent because he wasn't in the Cardassian army. He happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Whenever Kira and her crew went on some sort of mission to blow shit up. They killed a bunch of Cardassians. They scarred the shit out of him. And he says that he wasn't even in the army. And he pressed shirts. He cleaned the uniforms, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. And and then now we got this motherfucker being outsmart, like killing people from afar with all sorts of technical know-how. Yeah, where'd he pick that up? The shirt guy. Yeah, the shirt. That's a good question I didn't even think of. And I feel dumb for not thinking about it, too. I was like, yeah, how did the those Cardassian... Um, Crab uniforms are very complicated. You can't just press a shirt. It's got a whole biometric feet. I don't know. Well, the, the fact of the matter is that he's also on a list of people with the know-how. Yeah. That's what kills me. Right. The shirt presser yeah. guy. Right. Yeah. He's yeah. on a yeah. list of the people with the know-how. Oh, there's one motherfucker who knows how to clean shirts. He's also on another another list to get mustard stain and wine stains <laughs> well, out. That's I think I think that's part of maybe it's part of the Cardassian culture, like how Garrick is trained as a tailor. It's not that he's a spy that picked up this stuff by being a spy. Just when you're a tailor or you work with clothes, they just teach you all this shit and then maybe you become a spy after that. 
Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's That would actually make sense. Make him... <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It makes, no, no, it, it doesn't it, make sense. It's a dumb... It, does, it doesn't make sense because he has to be pure of heart from his, from his angle. You know, he had to say that he was innocent because he didn't serve in any way. Yeah. Right. Yet he has all this technical know-how to baffle Starfleet. Yeah. Yes. You know, the smartest people in... You know. Yeah, I guess it's a little bit like, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of like the Civil War, the Baron Zemo plot in Captain America Civil War, where he was kind of like, I was, you know, you just killed my family, but I, I was a high level member of the military police. So I had all, that's how I had the skills to do this. Right. With this guy, he just, I guess he had to learn it. I guess, yeah, I guess he. Did he take an online, <laughs> did he join a Skillshare class? Right, right. <laughs> After he, he moved out to the DMZ because he's all disfigured and gross. Mm-hmm. And the internet, you can find anything. And he's got... <laughs> but yeah, I, I you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's weird. But going back to this is Brian Fuller's original script. And then she gets there and it's just an excuse for a guy to uh, talk like a serial killer for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was very much a... Uh, puts the lotion in the basket. I, yeah, I, that's what I felt like. It yeah, was, it puts, it's just an animal and the darkness and the light. It was trying to be the, again, with like the Hannibal Lecter bullshit, you know? Yeah, totally. And that was, I mean, it's Brian Fuller. He he went on the... He's, he's good at it. great stuff with Hannibal, but, but it does seem like that it was very much trying to ape that kind of... You know, because they kept... Like, if you remember, Hollywood kept making that movie for a while. Yeah. All the way up to, like, movie, weird-ass movies like The Cell and, like... There was a lot of, like, serial killer... Mm-hmm, serial killer mm-hmm. killers obsessed with, like, an innocent lead or whatever. And, right. And it is always supposed to have this morally complicated ending. And that's the bullshit that he's trying to say is, like, you didn't care about the shirt presser guy when you were killing them. Right. And You're still, like, I, I'm sorry. Well... In that way, he does make more sense than most of those serial killer narratives where oh, yeah. usually the the innocent that they keep talking about trying to protect is like an innocent because they were abused as a child. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I yeah, gotta get into the yeah. CD more shit. But I'm saying that I felt like that the show was trying to like, I felt like they, they thought that they got a nice balance of that, that, that this is a full two sides, both sides issue. That like a little bit, you know, he's a little bit right and she's a little bit right. But like, I just felt like her response was just so, you invaded my fucking planet. <laughs> yeah. like, you weren't right. supposed to be here. Like, I don't care what you did. Fuck you. You invaded my fucking planet, your people, and you were with them and we right. had to get but, you off. Like, But no, you don't understand. Right. You killed, yeah, I mean, she's like, you, your guy that you were working for executed 15 farmers yeah. for not flying the f- fucking flag that you wanted. So f- go fuck yourself. Yeah. So you were all here occupying us. So, yeah. It's just, it's bullshit. It was like, I felt like it was forced both sides-isms, you know? Well, I, I, it kind of was, but I bought it that it wasn't because, I mean, he was arguing both sides-ism but, mm-hmm. but he's also the bad guy, so he can argue that and look bad, I He's guess. the bad guy. And our point of view character, which would be Kira in this, is like, fuck you. But that was a surprise <laughs> to me. That was a legitimate surprise to me. Oh, yeah. Because I thought they're clearly going to go into, like, it's going to try and get that duet ending where, like, oh, I see your side right, of it. Right. Or I see the pain that you've suffered from it. I thought that, like, that it was going to go there. 
And I just liked it. Like, no, she was like, I'm done with it. I am pregnant. I'm fucking like, <laughs> right. I, I'm, we're done. He's like, here. don't, don't you feel guilty? He's like, fuck no, I don't. <laughs> fuck <laughs> no, you, not for a fucking half a second. Like, I guess I'm glad that you're alive, but you know, I'd blow that motherfucker up again. Like, I don't <laughs> right. know. Like, I would. And yeah, it turns out she put the plasma charge on the window. Laza maybe made it and, and Lupa and Pharrell like kept watch. Yeah. And that's why they all had to die. And I guess the other lady snitched. Yeah. That's how she got the information. And it vaporized the entire East Wing and 12 Cardassians, including his family, and wounded 23, including his fucked up two face. And yeah. she's like, Yeah, man. <laughs> we were at war. Fuck off. I'm sorry. If you're so technically advanced, why can't you just get a dermal regenerator? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Get over it. Exactly. Yeah. But he has to. Say I all- think it's like it's like Two Face now. You know, where yeah, yeah. In the Dark Knight Returns, where he got it fixed, but he still can't get over it. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know. And, 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 yeah. and, well, he's just spouting all this, like talking about her in the third person, like. The thing, the animal thinks it's getting away, but it's in the dark, and and I'm gonna be in the light. Oh yeah, he's clearly insane. Yeah, I forgot about that scene too. Yeah, uh, where he's like, yeah, and then then she's smart enough, and he's like, but I won't kill an innocent, so that's why I'm gonna cut this baby out of you. And she's like, it's a human baby. You can't do that, dummy. It needs three more weeks. Yeah, well, he didn't. I guess he was out of his. There was a bit. I think you're supposed to think that he was out of his mind, right? So that he couldn't, he couldn't hear or understand really what she was saying, right? And also, like, and a, a Bajoran baby maybe would have been fine at this gestation period. Yeah, I think that's the that that's what you're supposed to think. Yeah, yeah. Is that he assumed because it's a Bajoran womb, <laughs> yeah. sure, that it's a Bajoran baby in the womb? But yeah, it's. I think that's yeah. I think that's a thing that's an issue. Right, so. and she she kind of games him a little bit, system because she's in a restraining field in this chair, which is a nice bit of optics where they don't have to tie her down. But mm-hmm. and then she's like, "Oh, give me show some compassion. At least give you know give me a sedative before you cut me open." And he's like, "Yes, she. I'll show you more mercy than you." More mercy in you. Yeah, she clearly read all of the side effects of her macarbon herbs or whatever. <laughs> right. Like, because she knew that she would be right. given an advantage on the next roll. Right. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's rolling two D20s for that. Uh, except, like, he's about to cut her open, and then she gets, this, she argues to give up, get the sedative. And I guess since she's knocked out, he undoes the restraining field. But he didn't need to. He just. I don't. I think I don't know. I got, don't know why he undid the film. I, I hate. I hate. To, he got caught monologuing, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I think that you like like that he got distracted or some dumb shit. Right, but he he actively turns off the restraining field because he's giving her the hypo spray with Marfadon, which is a sedative. Because mm-hmm. he, he gives her the sedative and then he walks over and turns off the restraining field, and she pretends, pretends to be asleep and then she. Kicks him and shoots him with a phaser and, and wins. Nerd cornering. I'm just nerd cornering a little bit. Like, but he didn't, he was going to cut her up without turning off the field. So why did he have to do it? I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. She gets away. She hides under a th- thing or passes out or some shit. Right. And then, like, and then, and then they Worf save her. finally figured out how to find her and they show up. And, yeah. And she has a, like they're trying to have the Peter Allen Fields ending with her last line. So yeah. I guess like 
I, I, I didn't I, realize he was he wanted to protect the innocents and separate the darkness from the light, but he didn't realize the light only shines in the dark. And sometimes innocence is just an excuse for the guilty. Yeah. Oh, how deep. <laughs> did she really <laughs> say the light only shines in the dark? She did. Yeah, light can only shine in the darkness. Yeah. Well, what did I just see that said that? I must watched a movie that said that exact line. Yeah, I mean, it's a common enough, like, trope of like oh it was the warcraft movie it's the warcraft oh, it movie was, yeah. they say They're, that in the warcraft movie it was a key thing right maybe they got it but maybe uh that you know duncan jones is a big ds9 fan <laughs> oh my god but that, i've heard i mean that their shadows only exist with light. it's a it's yeah. a trope yeah 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 you can yeah it's it's also the ending to uh or it's, it's sort of the ending to True Detective season one. <laughs> it's the part that they ripped off of Alan Moore, ripping off this trope in a more poetic way. So yeah, all right, yeah, no. So I mean, I it was uh, I liked it. I liked her her resolve. Yeah, that's what I liked. Everything else. Eh. Yeah, I'm not gonna again. I'm not gonna argue. It's the best episode. It was fine it was good i mean looking at it i think we're distinctly in the doldrums of this season i think this yeah but these doldrums are so much better than the doldrums we've had I, and, i'll give you that or at least they've got more ideas going on i'll say that yeah. yeah yeah i i i mean i do think that it was a bit of malpractice to spend so much of the episode concerned about people we didn't fucking know fair enough yeah but like uh, but other than that like yeah once it got to it i i, I yeah i mean i they they but, sort of saved it, I guess. Right, and this is the point in all the season, like where we can't deal with the people we know because we're not the sweeps yet. And, oh yeah, yeah. You know, like we're. I think we. You're right. We are in the doldrums, but yeah, these are pretty, and they're saving money. They're they're. They, I mean, this this happens in all shows where you ultimately you have like a season budget. Yeah, yeah. And you try to allocate all of your funds, and this is not where they wanted to spend all their time. So. Right. And this a lot a lot of shit's coming up. Yeah, like I keep saying that. Right. But like, oh yeah, like really soon. But this is this is almost like this is Brian Fuller's beginning. It's kind of inauspicious, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's like it's fine. It's not bad. Yeah, he was really young too, wasn't he? Oh yeah, and it's just a story. This is because he's he's not that old now. I mean, he's not that. He doesn't feel that much older than me. And like I was right. He's little, 16 when this aired or something like that. So, I mean, I, yeah, obviously he's a little... He was probably like 23 or something. Yeah, but he seemed like he was maybe very young. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so where where are we? So, yeah. Well, we're wrapping it, like, final thoughts on this episode mm-hmm. before moving, like, going on the rewatching meter. Oh, yeah. it's Yeah, it's not a bad, bad episode, but, you know, like, Brian Fuller, it's it's fine. You know, it, the script is it's a story by Brian Fuller, but the screenplay is by... Mr. Battlestar Galactica himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ronald, ah. No, Ronald D. Moore, can, he talks about it as his story, you know, yeah, to yeah. some degree. So, I, I, All right. yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's okay. fine. I mean, we got... Where do you guys put it on your rewatch meter? Oh, it's low. I'd, um, I'd put it at a five. I, but if you made a gif of... Avery Brooks shouting at Worf. <laughs> I would watch that a lot. But no, yeah, yeah. I'd put it at like a two. I, I mean, I didn't hate this episode. Yeah, but I'm, I'm probably at like a one or a zero for me. If I never see this episode again, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. <laughs> that being said, I, I think that it's 
probably somewhat popular. Yeah. Are we gonna guess? Okay, well, who who goes first on guessing what the good people of IMDb think of this episode? It's whoever gets to it first. All right, we'll go. I'm gonna say seven point five. That's I think that's seven point five for Wade. Secure up until an episode. I'm gonna go say seven. Yeah, you're probably it's closer. Solid seven. It's a six point nine, seven hundred and twenty three oh, votes. It's the I'm gonna I will tell you it is not the lowest one of it is the lowest one of this season. Oh shit. Oh really? Well let me let me double check that real quick. The, check back on the Ryza episode again. What was that one? That was like a six point four or something. That felt lower. That was lower. That that's like an infamous episode that people talk about hating. Yeah, that that's a five point four episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. This is one of the lowest yeah. ones of the episode. Everybody, everybody is so wrong on that one, but they're so right. <laughs> no, I think I say I think I said that I think most of this episode is fucking shit too. Yeah, I just I, think, I, I like the one part you didn't. Right. I think I I as soon as I said it, I knew I oversold it, but I was like, oh, it's Brad Fuller. It's like, yeah, it's it's Brian Fuller, but it's not great Brian Fuller. Mm. He's young. It's his first script he sold, I think, at all. So. Oh yeah, like I'm not, I don't, I'm not denigrating the guy. Yeah, but I, I was just so excited about it that I rated it higher. But you're right. Mm. Uh, next week we have an episode where Odo finds uh, a little baby changeling and raises it, and then like uh, under like the Odo's cats in the cradle. Oh, I think yeah. is is probably the way to look at that. It's, oh man, I think I'm probably gonna hate that episode. <laughs> It's all about babies. Doesn't Kira give birth in that episode? Is that spoilers? Yeah, she does. She gets. She finally has the baby in this. Mm, so mm, and then, mm, but but to keep you to keep you excited. Oh yeah. The wrapping up of the Michael editing saga is to as after that. Then what I've went on record as saying is my favorite two parter of Deep Space Nine. Maybe in my favorite episodes, if I remember correctly, I'm going to hold myself to that standard. <laughs> yeah, the two-parter in Purgatory Shadow and by Inferno's Light, and then after that is the very, very infamous Doctor Bashir, I presume, episode where Doctor Doctor Bashir gets flips turned upside down. Oh. All right. Oh, it's and Hugh, and Hugh is. It's gonna, not the most upside down, is it? Or is it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's the... Oh, it's the one... It's, the, it's where Dr. Zimmerman comes in? It's the reveal. Well, it's that, and then his parents, and then you find out why yeah, he yeah, can't yes, be yes, the... Yes, 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 yes. Why he can't be the replacement for uh, Richard Picardo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, whatever, Robert oh, Picardo. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> so, what's yes. his wrong name? That's the one I can't even remember. can't remember what's up and down uh, Yeah, I can't remember the wrong name now. <laughs> I think I kept saying Richard Picardo. I think you're right. Because it's Richie Ricardo was in my mind. Oh, yeah. It's Robert Picardo is the real guy, yeah. Robert Picardo, yes. So, yes, it's a very big episode where there's a very big reveal about Bashir. So we got major episodes coming up after we get past this one with Odo and the kid. And I thought it was the one where Odo, uh, like, the kid grows up fast, but I don't think that's it. No. Because there's one where Odo has, like, a, a semi... Homoerotic. I, I almost want to say it all. A homoerotic relationship with another male yeah. changeling. That's right? different. Yeah, that's that's later, though. I yeah, think. that's not this one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right. 
But uh, <laughs> these changelings keep staying the same. He's older. <laughs> I keep getting older, but these changelings keep staying the same age. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I think it's time to move on to voicemails and emails. I think I think so. I want I want all of all Matthew McConaughey quotes that could also pertain to Odo. Like I want to hear them all. Like, like <laughs> I want that to keep going for next week. Yeah. All right. Yes. So emails. All right. Or voicemails or whatever we call them creature born within the comforting anonymity of darkness awakens in the harsh truth of daylight. It squirms in the glare, afraid of the light that pins it to the chair like a needle through its heart. Its heart beats faster. Who's there? Sillerin, is that All you? Right. Here we are in voicemails. Let's just jump into them. Hello guys, this is Stefan from the very rainy, rainy Netherlands, calling about Let He Who Is Without Sin, dot dot dot. Um, this is not a good episode, really. Um, you mentioned uh, it, uh, on the podcast that the whole thing surrounding Risa is weak sauce, because they can never really get into what Risa really is. Um, is, it a, is it a prostitute planet? Is it just a... Spring break uh, location um, that that's never made really clear. So because of that, um, the whole fundamentalist thing isn't really made clear. So it's all weak tea. Uh, and on top of that, you, that you have the worst stuff. Um, I agree with James that in the context of the nine years we've had with Worf up up to that point. It's an important scene. Um, it explains why he is the way he is compared to other Klingons. However, the the way the scene is written and maybe the way it's played out, it just... Mm, I'm on Team Wade when it comes to the uh, Gremlins analogy. It it feels... It feels too, too convenient. Um, it doesn't really work. And the whole thing of uh, Worf uh, joining essentially a terrorist organization uh, because he's jealous of his girlfriend is just pretty awful. Um, it's one of the reasons why this is considered one of the worst episodes of Deep Space Nine. And that's why I have to disagree. Um, it's it's not a great episode, but it's it's the worst episode of season 5 and it's nowhere near uh, fascination or the muse in terms of cringe witness um there's actually some very good character stuff in it um i i like the Lita bashir stuff i like quark complaining um the early stuff in the station is all good so the worst the worst one of season 5 is on all pretty watchable Okay, that's that's me for this time. Talk to you later, guys. Okay, even if even if this is the worst, yeah, he makes a great point, and that that's kind of my point with season five so far. That even if it's the worst, it's still not bad, not that bad. I think. I mean, I, and I I'm, and I yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think the whole Gremlins, uh, Worf's Gremlins monologue is just a matter of. T- I think we just have to chalk that up to a matter I, of taste. I mean, I guess we will. Might yeah. I knew we were going to get some pushback on that because I think where we're saying, well, of the bad episodes, it's not that bad, but it's still pretty. B- he, he, I think 
it's still pretty bad. Like he, it's he just listed not... a bunch of stuff that was great about that. Like yeah. The Lita Bashir stuff, the Quark stuff, the stuff yeah, at the beginning. There's good stuff in the episode, but overall, people just still don't think it's. Even if it's high above, it's it's some of the best shitty episodes out there. I, I don't even think it's a shitty episode. I think this is better I don't than either. what I don't either. I think, I'm surprised. I don't that think it's a shitty episode. I don't book. think it's a shitty episode. I and think I think I, I mean I'm not gonna fight this fight again. I just think. It's, well, you 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 even liked it when we talked about it though. Except, that's what except, I said. It was better. I mean, in because it's goofy. Like, but that I I never said I like that. Oh, I know, scene. but they they meant for it to be goofy. But so, that I mean, like that scene was meant to be like heartfelt and everything, and it's so over the top. It's bad. I, it worked. It worked for me though, because I think mostly because we weren't looking for it. Like he had to stick up his ass this whole thing, this whole time, and mm. that really unlocked as to why, why. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. I mean, you know, that's, he, I'm not gonna a, fight that fight over I, again. I yeah, like I said, that's a, just <laughs> simply a matter of taste. It worked for yeah. me. It worked for James. It didn't work for Wade. It didn't work for Stacey. I still don't get why, why. I never really got, like, after even listening to the podcast again, I never really got why you think it's so over the top. <sighs> because it's the music is saccharine and it's like a fucking melodrama bat and it's not necessary and it it just it simplifies what he could be that way through his life. Everything about it, man. I don't know. It's a soccer match. Okay, the okay. The suburbanness of it is funny to me. No, that doesn't bother me. Just when I picture the scene that he's describing, it's funny to me. Um, I mean, why? I don't know why. It's like, okay, I'm more. I don't think he's putting you on trial. He's not putting you on trial. I'm not trying to put you on trial. I literally don't. I I can hear the doomed exasperation voice in his in his voice. No, you don't. I'm just saying the (laughs) exasperation of me. No, I mean, okay, like I'm picturing a little little wharf in his little probably uh, Starfleet kids jumper suit, a bunch of soccer moms going around. It's funny, <laughs> like it, it. I mean, until See, a kid I dies. I, I, and I, I, let I, me just keep talking about it. And okay, I mean, I, I'm not trying. But to, there's no justification to why it's funny, and then you're, you're going to move on. And so no, then I gotta I'm, you back. you're asking me to de- to s- describe why why I think it's bad, and I'm trying to describe. Okay, okay, to, okay. I'm not trying to get defensive here. I'm just trying to to respond <laughs> to your question. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you were moving on to another point, so I wanted to like. Uh, hone in on that before you moved on but you can keep moving i mean okay what hone in on that point that i just made okay i just don't like yes it's a domestic it's a childhood scene that is somewhat relatable i've been on you know uh i know i've been on a lot of soccer sidelines yeah in my day so i don't i don't again i I don't know i I guess i don't know like i said if that happened if you have this mismatch of like Kids, where like that, you know, where one is just genetically alien. I, like and, I, I, and, and, I said in the episode, I understand why they wrote it the way they did. Easy on the Charles Murray talk there, James. <laughs> with the, easy, buddy. Yeah, yeah like, see, he's got, Jesus. He's got those quick twitch fibers that they, that they haven't. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. Keep I mean, going. I, I understand the math of how they, the emotional math of how they decided to write the scene. I just don't. I think the way that Worf sets the scene. The way it's acted, the way the the melodramatic st- music, the score, just emphasizes how overwrought See, it is. I think it's, it's comparable. Like, I think it's comparable to when um, Picard tells the story about having his fucking heart ripped out by like a Nausicaan or whatever, 
Like, I think it's, uh, I mean, I think that's just as, I mean, I think it's the same level of like, I, let's yeah. go back to the past and say some sort of intense thing. Or how like, about I think, when Kira I, is 13 years old and smokes the first Cardassian that comes off the ship? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Those yeah. are so, all better scenes than this one. I don't, why? to me. Well, why? Because. Well, I think, I mean, he, is it the direction? It yeah, sounds I've like told you, you so you, many different yeah, reasons yeah. right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's the same thing that pissed I, me off when I watched, for instance, that one-hour photo movie with Robin Williams. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. That movie pissed hmm. me off because it had the same kind of, but I was molested ending, and when his character is fully able to be described without having to have this overall dramatic reason for it. Like, you can convince okay, me hold, 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 without Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, but like, Worf is not. I think that's the problem: is that somehow you're giving it some value or an importance that I think maybe and it's just, maybe you're bringing that to it. I'm. It's just a story he tells her, but they about something that happened to him that was very important to him yes. that changed the way he 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 handles himself, and then that became like uh like a like that's a part of his personality and that's a part of who he is and if and he's gonna get closer to her and we, like we, have a relationship with had, her he's gonna have to open that up. This is I guess I'm just saying that before. but but you're saying that it that this that you're supposed to take from that instance that it describes everything about him. That's the way that they said it. That's the way that it's kind of framed. I thought that they set it up in the context of his relationship with her, yeah. not his whole relationship with all of humanity. Yeah. No, but they like, might have 47 different stories about well, all of these different that's effects. The, that's the other thing I said when we did the, the podcast is the, the way the writers, it answers, it's a way for them to answer this question that fans have had. That aside from the Dax relationship issue that why Worf is not like the other Klingons and they're like oh we found this great reason we found the key to Worf and we're going to write a scene around it that's hmm. what it feels like and that I don't think it was necessary and I found it I guess maybe I enjoyed it in the context of not like his whole character throughout the whole history of Worf but in the scene that he was just like moving the ball down the field with with his relationship mm-hmm. with Dax that that's, I, think, I, think that I, underst- that's, I understand that but yeah. I felt like the scene was also not just in the context of him and Dax they were a little bit too proud of themselves you yeah they're a little too proud of like yeah. we figured out Worf and this is the scene that explains Worf, and that and it felt nah, like I think you're bringing some of that to it. I don't I'm, think it's there. I'm, I mean, he's only going. I, I, I see what you're saying. You're, you're, you can only and, go with yeah. And I feel like this is a scene that gets. But comparing it to, but you compare it to the Gremlin scene, which is one of the most overwrought, comically overwrought things ever, because what she's describing is so goddamn ridiculous. Where hurting it's, a kid, hurting a kid. Let's say hurting a kid. That's smaller than you. And a sports, in a preteen sports thing, is very common. Yeah. And something that kids go through all the time. I broke a bone or some, you know, like I broke a kid's leg or I put a kid in the hospital or something like that. That's a thing that people go through. People don't go down their chimneys and try to pretend like they're Santa Claus. That's I ridiculous. guarantee you there has been at least one death in Florida of that kind of shit happening. Well, <laughs> sure, but... Florida man. Florida <laughs> man. Right. Florida, Florida, Florida man did it. Okay, I, okay. Uh, so, like that, uh, so Phoebe like Cates... The, the, and that's the, the, the way the, that you're supposed to deal with it is that Phoebe Cates' dad is Florida man. No, but no, I don't even... I don't think the humor in that necessarily even comes from just how stupid the, the chimney thing is, uh, but... Well, 
I think that this this conversation is we just have to like like I said at the beginning of this we just have to chalk it up to a matter of taste. Totally, yeah. Stephen, mm-hmm. Stephen laid out why it didn't work for him. Wade let Wade it out. James and I are firmly uh, on the other opposite side. We should mm-hmm. move on. To mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, I can say okay. I don't want to rehash this again. Because All right, just... Wade. Well, uh, if folks want to get a hold of us, what should they do? They should. Give us a call. Yes, do that. Give us a call at 917-408-3898. It's for the Kickers of Elves hotline number. Uh, Talk to us about whatever DS9 episodes that you disagree with us on or agree with us on or whatever you want to talk about. Or shoot us an email if you want to record something and send us that way if you're international or whatnot at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. So you can do that. And yeah. Oh, and if you want to support the show and get a bunch of other podcasts and hear about our ideas on Dune and other stuff, go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash kickersofelves. Got a lot of extra content over there. Yep. All All right. right. Well, thanks again for joining us for another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. For Wade, James, and myself, three to beam out. Three to beam out. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. 3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.